Hi, everyone. I'm Saskia Harmsen. I work with Oxfam on the global humanitarian team, and I'm the change manager for Oxfam's work around the Charter for Change. The Charter for Change is part of Oxfam's commitments to the World Humanitarian Summit on supporting changes to the humanitarian system and enabling local actors to take a more prominent role in humanitarian work. And that's also what we're talking about today. So I'm really happy to have our guests from Iraq with us, from Oxfam in Iraq, because Oxfam in Iraq over the last couple of months has really taken a leadership role in terms of uh, thinking through how Oxfam needs to change to really make partnerships with local actors central to our ways of working in humanitarian, but also in other programming. If you could just introduce yourselves briefly, uh, that would be your name, what your exact role is in the Oxfam in Iraq program, that would be really helpful. Maybe Saba, I could ask you to introduce yourself first. Sure. Hi, Saskia. Hi, everybody. This is Saba, Saba Azim. I um, work in the Iraq country office with Oxfam. I am the business development and funding coordinator. Hello, Saskia. I'm Haysam Minkara. I'm the deputy counter director for Oxfam in Iraq. Hello, everyone. My name is Dima, Dima Sayed. I am the partnerships and capacity development manager in Oxfam Iraq. Great to have you with us today. And I was wondering if maybe we could start with Haysam as deputy country director and perhaps your strategic view on the issue of localization of aid. You know, it's a very topical issue at the moment post uh, World Humanitarian Summit. You know that Oxfam is a very strong advocate of humanitarian partnerships and localizing humanitarian aid. What is your perspective on uh, the relevance or importance of humanitarian partnerships in the Iraqi context, um, or even potentially this global movement to localize humanitarian response? How do you see this international conversation? In Iraq, our program thinks that the empowerment, the support of local humanitarian leaderships to enable humanitarian actors to be the key respondents for the needs in their own country, in their own communities, is very important due to the added values that local leadership would bring in terms of the appropriateness of the response, the timeliness of the response, the easier access, the cost effective and the value for money that uh, local actors could bring. However, that would bring a, a greater responsibility on the international humanitarian community to convey that experience that has been developed over years. For example, for an organization like Oxfam, it has been 75 years since we started responding to, to humanitarian needs globally. So with that in mind, there is a greater responsibility for us to be able to step out from the direct response, maybe gradually or as much as possible, but then to be able to convey the knowledge we have, the skills we have to the local actors and to be able to establish the systems that would support that transition. One, one of the objections that I often hear, especially in conflict contexts, which Iraq obviously is, is that local actors can't be trusted, I don't know if that's the right word, but can't be trusted to be impartial and to be neutral in a conflict setting. And I was wondering, because you have been driving this agenda in Iraq, 
How do you see these arguments? Is there an element of validity to them? Or how do we as NGOs, INGOs, manage uh, these issues of impartiality and neutrality? It's, it's definitely a valid point to be considered, but I wouldn't accept it as an objection aiming to blow the whole concept or to take it away. It's something that's natural in any context. Human beings, organizations might be driven by certain uh, interests, whether they are political, uh, whether they are religious, whether they are uh, sectarian, tribal, and that applies to international organizations as well. It's something we need to keep in mind. It's something we need to try to mitigate as much as possible. And there are certain steps that we have, that we have taken in country in order to address it. Three steps we have taken in order to, to encounter that argument, which we think it's valid, but it doesn't take the it doesn't blow the whole notion away. It just can be addressed by a proper selection process, by raising the awareness and training our local counterparts on the humanitarian principles and what are the sensitivities. And third is the monitoring to prove that things are going fine and if they are not, to be able to take the appropriate measure. Thank you. And it just triggers me to ask, um, what do you think we as Oxfam could do to help counter those arguments being made at international level as well? These arguments are really blocking progress at the level of donors, for example, to be able to make true on their grand bargain commitments. How could we help counter or influence or, or change these the, the mindsets of this of the individuals that are currently against uh, the localization agenda on these grounds? If, if I think about what we have been doing and what we could aspire to do, I can think about three main areas. One of them is, is actually looking at success stories, so trying to document good examples in order to prove that that's not appropriate to, it's not appropriate to, to make that generalization that local organization cannot be impartial and cannot be neutral and cannot be independent. Uh, the second would be to carry on uh, advocating with, uh, with donors, with the international community, with decision makers, in order to, to, to push for that agenda, to put the localization of aid uh, as, as a priority in any discussion related to our global humanitarian architecture. And I think the third point would be to provide evidence to how ignoring the localization of aid could be causing a loss, could be impacting the end beneficiaries, people we are working for. That's interesting. A, a, a very, an often cited counter argument to the localization of aid agenda is that responses need to be delivered effectively at scale and at high speed. And it's interesting that you you uh, position the exact opposite, that if we don't localize our humanitarian responses, that we then risk uh, um, losing scale and speed and effectiveness. 
I just want to go back to um, how you guys have been working in Iraq and uh, maybe to move over to Dima. You've actually been brought into the, the Iraq country office to really enhance Oxfam's ways of working in humanitarian partnerships in Iraq. And uh, quite significantly, I think, when compared to other Oxfam country offices, you established a partnerships team of four staff. Why did you feel such an investment uh, and relatively large number of staff for the team was necessary? Uh, To answer directly your question, it all depends on the understanding we have of partnerships and our commitment to it as part of the organization's vision. Um, If you want to further develop partnerships with local organizations, actually, you need to bring change to different layers, if you want, of the organization. You need to bring change to our ways of managing projects, to Oxfam staff ways of thinking and understanding partnerships, um, and to local organizations' understanding of their own role, especially when they have been limited to the functions of subcontractors in in so many areas. So um, all of this, not to mention what Haysam just said about the technical and the organization capacity, actually, that need to be developed. This requires investment, investment in people. Um, and this investment in people is, uh, our version of it is creating a team that's able to follow up on all of these um, aspects or element of uh, partnerships. So our role, as I see it, of the team is to provide the partnerships perspective to the humanitarian and uh, the recovery equation. Dima, just really interesting because you have only been in post for about five and a half months, I think, um, and have been able to set up this team since then. That's a relatively short period of time. And I'd be really interested to know what you feel some of the successes have been. Uh, what I can say is communication. Uh, communication has been key to our implementing, um, trying to implement new ideas, uh, trying to promote this uh, partnerships approach. Uh, communication with, uh, as I said before, the different layers of um, levels or layers of people involved in the partnerships uh, uh, approach and communicating with all of these groups, teams, uh, on our, with our field teams, with our funding teams, with our country management. Uh, this is, I think, what we have managed to do well. Um, this is something that we need to, to work on also more. And if I want to, uh, to advise other teams, I would advise more of an open communications with all layers of the of the organization to actually mainstream as i said before the idea of partnership and emphasize partnerships as part of our vision in oxfam mm-hmm. i think as a colleague uh, who's worked with dima for the last five and a half six months actually um i can ass- at least see her um, the impact that her team has made because one of the biggest um, achievements has been the way Oxfam in country, the country office thinks about partnerships. Um, I think just changing our mindset on that um, has been a big achievement. Uh, the way our partners feel empowered when they're talking to us is also an achievement. Um, so I think it, it might be a short time, but uh, at least we can see some impact. Thank you, Sava, for that addition. And that triggers me to ask Dima, what did you do to change your colleagues' mindset? You say communicate, um, 
but other uh, countries that I've spoken to or other organizations, you know, the feedback you often get is colleagues don't see it as their work. Um, when we say communication, communication obviously is about convincing people. Convincing requires commitment. So if you're, first of all, committed to the idea of working with partners to the Charter of Change, to the idea, if you really believe that a quality implementation depends on uh, local people being leading the response uh, uh, and leading the process of helping um, their citizens, then you are more able to to articulate ideas. You mentioned um, something about like, um, yeah, how was I able? How were we as a team able to communicate? Uh, first of all by being accountable, by taking responsibilities uh, that might not be at the first uh, glance yours, but this would open uh, the conversation with people who are involved. When you talk to a cash uh, coordinator or an EFSVL coordinator about a program that the team is implementing, knowing actually what you're talking about, this makes them wonder, um, so partnerships are involved in this. What do you think we need to better to enhance the quality of the implementation. Maybe talk directly to the partner. Partnerships team, what do you recommend? Oh, so maybe we can go and build the capacity of partners. This, this is, there's a whole shift in the idea of management so that we don't only manage directly our staff, but also manage discreetly the partner. And this is what we're working on. And this is what I mean when I talk about communication and convincing people about the idea. Maybe just to pick up this issue of funding, I'd yes. like to uh, just uh, involve Saba more, more concretely in the conversation as well. Do you have some ideas for us on what would be required to shift this allocation of resources? It's about our commitment. It's about advocacy. It's about influencing. As Oxfam, we do have this unique position where we can influence on behalf of us, on behalf of other NGOs on behalf of the national NGOs. Um, so we need to use our voice, our unique advantage, um, and we need to hold everybody to account. We need to hold other NGOs to account. What have they done? Actually, even before that, we need to hold ourselves to account. What have we done um, to increase humanitarian funding, you know, going to local and national NGOs. What have other INGOs done? What what are the donors doing? Um, what are coordination bodies like the clusters doing? Or the NCCI, the NGO Coordination Committee for Iraq, what is it that they're doing? And just to pick up on what you're saying, um, do you get a sense that this issue of increasing access to funding for local actors is part of the funding agenda at Iraq level in your interactions with other INGOs or with the NCCI, like you say, or, or the UN agencies? Is it being actively discussed and strategized around? Unfortunately, not as much as it would, uh, as it would help. Um, unfortunately, well, bodies like the NCCI are taking a central role but but the problem is that other INGOs have used over the at least over the last three or four years since the humanitarian response really began in country have used national NGOs have used CSOs as subcontractors. So have they really developed their organizational capacities? No, they have actually contributed and and even before the INGOs um, 
a lot of the contractors came who came um, for rebuilding the country. Um, a lot of them used them again as subcontractors, and actually made them extremely funding and donor driven. What are some of the ways in which you, as the the team or leading the team, the funding team, have tried to increase the percentage of funding going to local actors? By the end of the day, you know, we do have our commitment to the grand bargain. And we do have commitment to the World Humanitarian and the WHS and um, the Charter for Change. And as as true humanitarians, as as expats who've come to this country to work, I think one of our the biggest or that we have is to build local capacity. So we need to be held true, or we need to be to be held to account to to this. Now, a lot of the uh, the the thing that. Um, donors have quoted uh, is that if you really want to bring, if you really want to kind of uh, build capacities and if you really want to do it as Oxfam, the true sense working hand in hand, it requires a lot of costs. So we want to think, as Dima said, you know, it's layers. Um, we're thinking, we're, we're treating direct beneficiaries, people on the ground who are receiving aid, but as beneficiaries, we're also thinking about the local NGOs that, that we're building, we're developing their capacity. Do you see that uh, this closer involvement, this more equitable relationship with partners and local actors is actually giving us an, an advantage in terms of positioning us towards donors? I so- think so, most definitely. As in, And not only the donors, but more on how our response is appropriate to, to the local needs. Um, and it's it's more culturally sensitive. Um, so not only donors, I think it's positioning us more better towards the beneficiaries that we serve. If local actors are really supported to take this more prominent role, this larger role, not only in terms of resources, but also in terms of leadership within humanitarian programming, coordination, etc., it begs the question then, what role for Oxfam where do you see Oxfam's role and added value shifting to? Will we no longer be necessary or will there still be a, a clear identity and value for Oxfam in the future? We really need to think about how we would be able to add value. I don't think we want to exist for the sake of existing. I think the question is how we would be able to add value in the future. So in in years, maybe in 10 years, if we're able to provide throughout this period the support needed for uh, local actors to to respond, to work on a global strategy where the UN, the international community would be committed to support state structure and non-state structure to be able to respond to the needs, then I think our our role would be limited to to, to three main uh, sectors or three main strengths of work. One is the uh, support in funding, because one of the major problems that often developing countries fall in or face is the lack of support. Second would be to help them to um, to influence global policies. And the third is to build on the knowledge we have developed as an international organization. That wouldn't mean that we wouldn't necessarily have uh, responding teams and units because sometimes the scale 
the magnitude and the impact of a humanitarian crisis could be way greater than the capacity of any local respondents on their own. So there might be a need at some point, but it wouldn't be the first resort to deploy a team of expats to go somewhere to learn from scratch and to respond. We have been uh, for 75 years combating poverty. I don't think that um, we have succeeded in eradicating it. Um, the measure of the health of the organization should be its capacity to adapt to new roles, depending on new contexts and new challenges. And whether we are capable of understanding this will actually decide on our position in this world where whether we, we recognize it or not, local people are more and more capable of raising their voices. I think perhaps in uh, view of time, um, we should leave it here. But I think hopefully this is just the beginning of a conversation between ourselves, um, but also possibly people that are listening to this podcast to uh, find you and your team's work and to learn more about how you are uh, making these changes in the context of Iraq. I really want to thank you all for taking this time, for being here um, out of your busy agendas and for sharing your vision, your experience, your, uh, your, your passion for this topic. 